Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please think twice before listening to our show. There are over 700,000 sexual offenders in the United States alone. With all the social media these days, how can we protect ourselves and our children from these despicable predators? Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast, where we share stories of people who experienced horrible things and try to imagine what they went through, as well as look for opportunities that could have made a difference and encourage people to help others that are being abused. On September 13, 2019, hundreds of angry people congregated outside the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, the financial heart of South Africa, to protest the consistently high levels of violence against women and children in South Africa. Today, we'll be sharing the tragic story of Uyinene Mahwetiana, which was the case that tipped the scales and triggered this event. Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. I'm Rosie. And I'm Ryan. And it took me way too many times to try to say that last name, and we finally gave up and let Ryan do it for me. (laughs) (laughs) So before we begin, obviously we need to address the elephant in the room. We are Midwestern American kids, and I personally have never even been out of North America, so I want to apologize in advance for the Americanized pronunciation of Uyinene's name. I tried my best, and I was listening to her family say her name over and over again, but they were making sounds that my ears and brain couldn't even comprehend. I couldn't even say the last name. (laughs) (laughs) I could not. Well, thankfully, she has a nickname. Um, The woman we're discussing tonight is from Cape Town, so I'm guessing the name's based on the Afrikaans language, which is really beautiful. Two of our best friends actually speak it to each other because they came from Cape Town, Mm-hmm. And we love listening to them talk. Mm-hmm. So I just want to apologize to the South African people and <laughs> people that we sound like morons to, because we are going to sound stupid pronouncing these names, but we promise we have good intentions. Mm-hmm. We really respect the people and the culture. So yeah. we'll do our best. Our mouths are used to saying words like, you bet, and you betcha, <laughs> and you know, hot dish, casserole, and no. yeah. No, casserole and hot dish are the same thing. We say, Minnesotans say hot dish. Casserole is what everyone else says. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Important stuff. So we have a patron to thank? Yes, we would like to thank our newest patron, Caitlin. Thank you, Caitlin. We get a lot of people with Kate names. names. Yeah. Caitlin and Kate. You must be somewhat in our age group because that was a really popular name in the 90s. It's true, yeah. So, Rosie, let's talk a bit more about this rally from the intro. Okay. So, protests started after the news of rape and murder of a 19-year-old girl came into light. But this wasn't a huge shock to these protesters. This was another one of the many attacks on women in the past year. Since April of 2018, there have been over 41,000 rapes in the country of South Africa alone. And as BBC pointed out, that's more than one rape every 15 minutes. 
And so now um, I'm going to go off on a little side tangent here. According to rain.org, in the United States, the average amount of rapes per year is 321,500. So this is a huge problem in both the United States and South Africa, which means everywhere pretty much. Just in case you're curious, I crunched the numbers, and I want to be clear this isn't to compare the numbers at all or ask which is worse, so don't assume I'm trying to do that. But it's just to help people realize how awful, how many awful human beings there are out there. So I divided the population um, of each country by the annual average of rapes per year. And in South Africa, one of every 1,383 people, not just women, but people in general, is a victim of rape each year. And because I don't have the exact ratio of men to women, we need to just divide that number in half because it is mostly women being targeted. So that makes the odds go up. And then if we multiply that by 20, because there's probably a 20-year stretch of time where a woman is most likely to be tar targeted in her life, um, meaning the annual average applies to her 20 times over. So based on these average averages one in 34 women are at risk of being targeted for rape in South Africa at some point in their life and these parameters I set are not always followed I mean it happens to children as well it happens to women over 40 not just the 20-year gap that I accounted for and it even happens to men so um, in the U.S. it's one of one in 25 women with the same math so I mean no matter where you go, this is a huge problem. But today we are focusing on the story of Uyunene Mahwetiana. And from now on, we're going to be calling her Nene mm -hmm. to make it easier for everyone to listen to and easier for us um, to me. say. You mean me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Rosie, let's talk about her story. Okay. Well, in 2019, she was a 19-year-old freshman at the University of Cape Town. Nene was studying film and media and, like you said, her friends and family called her Nene. She had just graduated from the Hudson Park High School, and she'd been a really good student. Yeah, she actually had a chair in the student council in 2013 at the Hudson Park Primary School. So she wasn't a slacker at any point in her school and career. And then she got into UCT, which she must have worked really hard to do. Nene had an older sister named Kanya and an older brother named Isona. She was just starting college and at one point had made a goofy video modeling her new college uniform, like a fashion show, making fun of the fact that she had to wear baggy beige pants, a blazer, and a red tie to school. Oof. Yeah. Sounds rough. <laughs> you can actually find this video on Twitter because it kind of went viral um, around the time that the story we're going to tell takes place. But you can just tell she was a fun person to be around and her friends from school um, were really fond of her. They described her bright smile as her signature. Like, everyone knew her by her smile. It always lit up the room. And she was also described as very responsible and genuine and just a strong, independent woman, very capable of taking care of herself. Other people that knew her described her as a loving person with a gentle soul. Yeah, from all these accounts, we can tell she was really special to a lot of people. On Saturday, August 24th, 2019, her family began to worry when Ui Nene hadn't returned home for the night. 
She was reported missing, and a search to find where she had gone began. She was last seen around 1.05 p.m. on her way to the post office to pick up a parcel in the Claremont area of Cape Town. The family hired a private investigator to try to speed up the process. They tried to track her cell phone, but it had been turned off, which was very odd for the 19-year-old, and very odd for anybody living in today's world. Yeah, no kidding. Um, So... After she had been reported missing, there was a lot of outreach and rallies at the college she had attended, UCT, um, and her family, just trying to raise awareness of her disappearance and find her. Mm -hmm. Within three days, her friends from college started using social media to try to get the word out about their missing friend, and they thought hopefully find some clues that would lead them to her safe return. The hashtag BringNaneHome trended on Twitter on August 27th, and people remained hopeful. But on August 31st, a 42-year-old man was arrested in connection to her disappearance. And so it wasn't public knowledge at the time why he was being arrested. So, um, and also a judge ordered that his identity be kept anonymous. Which, why? I, I don't know. But the, when he was first arrested, that makes it sound like he's just a suspect being investigated. They might not have anything on him right. at this point. Right. But this man confessed to being responsible for her disappearance. And it came out that the police were led to him after discovering some very scary evidence. Yeah. And what we're about to talk about, this evidence would have come out right away because of where it happened. So you want to talk more about that? Yes. On Saturday, August 24th, 2019, Uyi Nene made her way to the post office, which was located on a busy road between a high school and a police station in Cape Town's southern suburbs. So, this sounds like it should be a safe place to go. It's very public. It's between a school and a police station. It's a bustling The most innocent part of town, you would think. So, why would you ever assume or worry that you'd be in danger going into this post office. Ui Nene walked to the door of the post office just after 2 p.m. to collect a parcel that she'd been waiting for. She had stopped once before, but the power was out, so they were unable to process her payment. So this was her second time trying to get her parcel. They had told her to come back after 2 p.m., and the system should be working by then. But when she got there, she realized the office had just closed, So she was relieved when a postal worker opened the door and said he would help her. He invited her to come inside while he looked for her parcel. Happy to finally be getting what she came there for, she walked inside. Yeah, so we want to warn you, this is where the story takes a dark turn. So to our sensitive listeners, just be aware that um, it's about to get gross. Nene walked into the post office and then the man locked the door behind her. It turns out he had been actually the one behind the counter when her card wasn't working, and he told her to come back after 2 p.m. But 2 p.m. is when all his co-workers left, so he knew that if she came back after that, he'd have the whole place to himself. And so after locking the door, the details are pretty murky because... The trial hasn't happened yet, and this is all off of his first confession, but we'll tell you what we do know. During a pretrial hearing, 
The man admitted that he locked the door behind her. Then he started to assault her. She did everything she could to fight back, but he overpowered her and he was able to rape her. She screamed for help, but no one came. The attacker got impatient with her because of the screaming and started to beat her and throw postage scales at her. She didn't survive the attack. This is such a brutal way to attack somebody. It's sickening to think about. Like, these giant postal scales that... Right. They're not light. And it's such an abuse of his position as a postal employee. I mean, I know in my post office, we have cameras on pretty much every square inch of that place. So, I'm wondering about this post office. Like, you'd think it would be high security. How did he plan to cover this up? Or else... Did he just think it was worth getting in trouble for? It's so stupid and evil. After she passed, the man loaded her body into the trunk of his car. Then he burned her and later dumped her near his home. Police were able to connect this man after finding blood in the post office she was heading to when she was last seen. And like I said, this couldn't have taken long to discover because the post office is pretty much in use every day of the week. Yeah, that's a good point. After that, they were able to match it to the blood found on the shoe of this 42-year-old postal employee. He then admitted to these terrible things, and on September 2nd, 2019, they discovered her body. So, this was obviously so devastating to the family, and a funeral service was actually held for her and streamed live on YouTube, which is the first result if you search her name on there, and in it, her older brother spoke really fondly of her and how funny she was and how she actually kept the rest of the family in line like we said earlier she was really responsible um but then he broke down when he talked about how horrible her final moments must have been saying he wished he would have been there to protect her that's really sad it was really i can't even imagine the pain he was going through and i i admired the courage he had to actually speak that day Oh, yes, totally. Her parents are extremely devastated. Every source we could find is saying that they're still not okay. When the news of the discovery of the body broke, the news media visited the family's home. The mother was locked in her bedroom, just devastated. And the uncle is the one that actually spoke to the media, and he addressed the fact that something needs to be done to fix this rising problem that South Africa is dealing with. It's amazing, after experiencing this horrible tragedy in their family, the uncle was still able to speak for the greater numbers of people um, who are suffering at the hands of all these evil rapists and murderers. And now's a good time to say that I can't believe they're protecting this postal worker's identity. Like, why does he still have the right to anonymity after admitting to something so evil, you know? Right, I I don't get it either. I guess at least we don't have to give him recognition or fame for this by using his name. So if we look at it that way, I guess it's a good thing. I don't think he'll ever be out on the streets again, hopefully. But um, speaking of which, the uncle also brought up that the suspect had been convicted of two different crimes in the past, Mm. which is something that was upsetting the family, you know? Yeah. Really irritating that he was able to get and get a post office job after this right you're supposed to go through like extensive background checks yeah and 
Like, especially for a position that allowed him to be alone in the building. I mean, I've been at the post office for almost nine years, and I don't have a key to the post office. He obviously had to have a key if he was the last person working there. Mm -hmm. And, like, if I wanted to, I could never be at my post office alone. It's just ridiculous that he'd even have this opportunity in the first place as an ex-con. Right. Ui Nene's sister posted a tribute to her sister on Facebook. And that's what we're going to read for you next. Uh, Like we said earlier, her sister's name is Kanya. And she wrote, What haunts me the most isn't the fact that you're gone and taken away from us so soon. It's the thought of the fear and pain you experienced all alone. I'm so sorry you had to be alive at a time where being a woman is all it takes to set a man off. Now we hold on to the memories we shared together and the thought of what you could have become had that man not violated you. Hurt. That's what I am. That's what we all are. Such a beautiful soul with an entire future and opportunities awaiting her. God, take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, where my faith will be made stronger. All the other times I said I was hurt or I was crying, I was probably being impossible. Nothing compares to what I'm feeling right now. All air has left my lungs, and my heart is right there below my knees. But even so, it is well with my soul. It's so much harder to remain safe. Not even sending my location or memorizing number plates is enough. I could be walking to the bathroom, Emal, and just like that my story ends. It's quite sad. We now move around wondering who's next, because it just doesn't stop. Will the storm ever calm? I will never question God, but I ask that he heals our hearts as your family, your friends, as women, as a country, and we remain stronger in faith. Ui, Nene, you're still my baby sister and always will be. I love you so much. Fly away, my butterfly. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a very poetic way to show her pain. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um... Also, at the funeral, Nene's parents, they were just too distraught to speak. They're just so broken up about this. And obviously, it's, it was so sudden, so unfair and just horrible. And just so out of place for like where it happened, when it happened, how it happened. Yeah. You, well, speaking of which, her... The parents were too distraught to speak, so they had representatives speak on their behalf, but her mother wanted to say how sorry she was that she hadn't been there to protect her daughter at this time. And like you were just saying, the mom said that she had warned Nene about many dangerous places, but the post office wasn't one of them. And it's so true. Like, this is one of those how-the-heck-could-this-happen type of situations. And it really shows how the stigma a lot of people associate with rape victims of dressing slutty and hanging out in sketchy areas Mm -hmm. is such bullcrap because she was in a busy part of Cape Town at a government building 150 meters from the police station and right by a school. It's just mind-boggling. And there's, like, as hard as you tried, um, well, as hard as someone who wants to blame the victim would try, there's nothing you could say about the situation, you know, that would, mm-hmm. well, she could have done this or she could have done that. Like, 
<sighs> so anyway, as we talk about this story, there are many people outraged in South Africa because of this growing violence problem they've been having. And there have been angry rallies and protests. At these protests, people are getting arrested because they're getting really passionate. All because of these evil people that are terrorizing other people in the country. And it's so sad to see the social upheaval that's happening because these evil men are targeting women and overpowering them. Women have started the hashtag AmINext, and they're just living in terror that they may be a future target. Hmm. That's a really real hashtag. Like, it makes you think. Yeah. That's that's scary stuff. And it illustrates the fear and the just... Vulnerability. Yeah. It's got to be hard to... I can't imagine as a man living with this fear. And mm -hmm. there was even a woman wearing a type of headdress that looks kind of like a balaclava where only her eyes are showing holding a sign that says women who dress like me get raped and sexually abused too. It's not about what women wear. And that's another response to the victim blaming that happens all the time. People always try to find a reason that someone was raped saying if they would have just changed this one thing, or if they would have just done this, they would have been fine. But the blame is being completely misplaced. When people say that it's on the attackers, they are the ones causing this. Mm-hmm. There have been so many other cases in South Africa recently, and people are understandably getting really upset and directing a lot of anger towards men. And this is having a huge impact. The president of South Africa actually visited the home of Nene's family. And the same day Nene was laid to rest, another girl named Jessie Hess was also laid to rest. She was also a 19-year-old college freshman but sadly, no arrests have yet been made in her case. <sighs> and her family couldn't afford to hire a private investigator. Thankfully, just this past Wednesday, the 18th, a crowdfunding campaign raised enough money to hire the investigator. It's so sad that people are being put in this position because of all this violence where her family can't afford to hire a PI, but... But they shouldn't have to. Yeah, and the police aren't finding any suspects. And they're just overwhelmed with all the crime? Yeah, it sounds like they're spread really thin, but I just couldn't believe how much social upheaval there was in South Africa at this time over this issue. Because it was completely random that I happened to look into South Africa last week because one of our lovely listeners from there sent us an email. And thank you for that email, by the way. You know who you are. And... That's when I realized, though, that we haven't covered a case from there that I can mm -hmm. think of. Um, although I do, there is another case from South Africa I want to cover in the near future. And I also want to share more of these stories of recent rapes, rapes and attacks because they just seem to be endless and it's such a huge mm -hmm. issue over there right now. So with that in mind, let's talk a bit more about these protests and the motivation behind them. And just to be clear, we're not taking any kind of political stance here or any sides. We're, we're just against violence against other people or victimizing other people. And we're trying to share the emotions of the people that are impacted by all this crazy news. The passionate response of many women and other supporters is not just sadness or anger over what's happening, but rather a demand 
for the government to act immediately and put systems in place to help prevent these attacks, rather than making vague promises with no real date of implementation. People are becoming enraged with how normalized this type of news is becoming. Yeah, and it's true. We talk about this stuff every week on this show, and we kind of become numb to it after a while because it's not that we want it to be normalized, but it just happens so often, and there seems to be nothing we can do about it besides try our best to be extremely careful. And, I mean... Now we even need to worry about going to the post office? What? Mm -hmm. And as a postal employee, I need to go to people's doors all the time to get signatures and stuff. So do my customers, especially female customers, now need to be fearful of me? I mean, it would totally be understandable if they were and if they didn't want to answer the door. I mean... If they were worried about this, you know, it would be easy for me to push their door open when they're signing for something. It's just, you know, a fear that that uh, comes out of these kind of situations, and I can't blame them for that. It's so sad that these things are becoming so common and that women really can't help but live in fear. And when you look at it that way, it's no wonder people turn to drugs and alcohol when they can't get past anxieties in their life. It's just, it's a really messed up world. There was an estimated 7,000 people at this protest rally. And that's just the people that were compelled and had the circumstances to make it to that march. There are no doubt many more women that feel the same way. People held posters with the faces and names of many dead women and girls. Again, we plan to share more of these stories because there's 41,000 women that were raped in the past year, and each one of them has their own life and story. And then there's a 321,000 in the U.S. in the past year. That's just two countries. So when you think of all the countries on Earth, the numbers are just astronomical. It's unbelievable. And I wish we had more time because we could literally release a new episode like every 15 minutes and still never run out of people to talk about. So sad. The South African president, Cyril Ramaphosa, was handed a list of demands which included that a state of emergency be declared. And in response, he said, he sees the demands, he's internalizing them, and he agrees that enough is enough. The crowd angrily booed him as he spoke. Because it was full of women who are terrified that they'll be next, and they want something to be done about it immediately. Right, the internalizing, that's not going to do much. (laughs) Yeah, but on the other hand, I mean, they're all screaming at this one guy who isn't the one that's been committing all these terrible acts, and it, it really seems like he has no idea what to do about it. Like, the police force is spread so thin, like... I don't know for sure, but it's a lot of pressure on one person to try to fix it, you know? Mm -hmm. And all the anger is being directed towards him. It's sad that the evil rapists and murderers who caused all this social anger and rage, people who had nothing to do with it, are opposed to each other because of the problems that these evil people are causing. And it's really sad. But at the same time, it's really understandable because... Just think of the fear these women are dealing with. The fact that no matter where you go, even somewhere as boring and seemingly safe as the post office, 
you might be targeted. Also at the rally, a man and his eight-year-old daughter were standing in the crowd, and they each laid a bouquet of roses in front of a banner that read, Ui Nene came to fetch a parcel. And just imagine the fear that this little girl has to grow up with. A fear that a child should never have to worry about. I never had any fears of this magnitude as a child. It's so unnatural, you know, mm -hmm. to have to worry about this. Women choked back tears as they sang the Zulu song, Senzenina, which means, what have we done to deserve this? Women are fearful, and the South African police are already spread thin and accused of ignoring people that are desperate for help. And the country seems to have no idea how to fix the problem. There's an overtone of sexism because of the rising numbers of femicide, which is women being targeted by men because of their gender, and the toxic masculinity that contributes to it. Yeah. Toxic masculinity, it's a term that gets thrown around a lot. The media loves to simplify these huge nuanced issues down into little buzzwords and completely take all of the true meaning out of it. And in some cases, the term toxic masculinity is just used to define, you know, alpha men that are strong and confident, the Joe Rogan type, of which I am not one, obviously, but I also don't think there's anything wrong with being a strong, confident man, as long as they're kind to other human beings. But these increases in rape and abuse in general are one of the very real problems with toxic masculinity. Men taking advantage of generally being larger and stronger than women just to justify raping and attacking them? Mm. That's disgusting. And there's no love in these particular men. No kindness. They're not gentlemen. And this is where masculinity truly becomes toxic. And it's a scary thing. There has been a trending campaign and petition circulating on Twitter under the Am I Next hashtag. And it's generated half a million signatures. Their goal is to reinstate the death penalty because they feel it will help deter the high levels of crime in the country. The president has promised to make more courts that are dedicated to sexual offenses and make harsher sentences for these crimes. Yeah, so if that does happen, will it help? That's a pretty controversial you know, demand for the death penalty to be reinstated. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know. There's no way to know what will actually help, but evil people are out there and they do stuff. And I do think laws and consequences play a huge role in deterring this behavior, but I also think if an evil person is truly determined to do something like this, they'll find a way. True. But I'm not trying to leave this on a hopeless note. I kind of feel like maybe it will help deter. I mean, well, yeah, laws do help deter crime. Well, I mean, I I'm not denying that. Just trying to throw my two cents in. Oh, sorry. I, I didn't mean <laughs> to interrupt you. No, but I'm just saying if the consequences are higher than what they are now, maybe it will help. True. Yeah, it's... It, well, I would never think that I know when someone deserves to lose their life so mm -hmm. i'm taking my voice out of that fight <laughs> but um like i said i'm not trying to leave this on a hopeless note all i can say is be careful out there we're at a point in time where we can literally trust nobody to be alone with no matter where we are and we can think about this stuff and 
really be grateful for every day we have that something like this doesn't happen. In my opinion, every good day we have is a treasure, and you never know if you'll get bad news or if something bad will suddenly happen to you or someone you love. But worrying about it all the time won't help either, except in the sense that we can be aware that these things can happen and take every step we possibly can to protect ourselves. But otherwise, we got to try not to let these fears cripple us. And if we need therapy, get it. If we feel hopeless, reach out to a friend. Don't ever feel like life isn't worth living because of these fears and just don't ever give up. Mm-hmm. Also, I want to say that I want to go to South Africa so bad. Like Cape Town looks amazing. Yeah. And it's so sad that all this stuff is happening. It just makes it, it makes it scary. Like, yeah. even though, I mean, it's such a beautiful country and it looks amazing to go to. It does make you second guess yourself about visiting. Yeah, it does. Which I mean, it's just such a shame. There's definitely a stigma in the United States tourism mm-hmm. with South Africa and worrying about not like just crime in general, even just thievery and what people will do to get, take your stuff away from you and Right. Like and we're not trying to generalize people in the country because we know it's all based on individuals, but mm-hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say is to our South African listeners, throw me an email and tell me which places I need to go to visit because I'm super, super interested in visiting. Yeah, we want to hear from you and we want to, especially if you're listening in South Africa right now, please write into us at vovpodcast at gmail.com and let us know what your life is like. Yeah, do you feel safe? Do you feel like we're spot on with this episode? Yeah. I'm very curious. It's just, it seems like a whole different, I mean, it is a whole different culture, whole different way of doing Mm -hmm. things. And we know the media spins things and Mm -hmm. sometimes blows them out of proportion, but 7,000 people at a rally, that seems like a pretty big deal. It does. So anyway, um, I think that wraps up the story for this week. We're actually recording, well, I forgot to say this earlier, but we recorded this week's episode and next week's episode already. Um, but we had to use a different audio interface than we usually do because oh, Burrito so sad. pulled, um, grabbed one of our mic cords and pulled my USB interface off of my desk and broke it. Yeah, we don't know what was happening. And so we finally got our new one. Um, you got a little sloppy with the catnip, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we already recorded them, but there was this weird humming, buzzing sound, and we didn't want to ruin these stories by having bad sounds so we did because we were super bummed out yeah but (laughs) like just wanted to post them yeah but at least we have we had a better idea of the story as we told it this time around so right anyway that said i'm not here i'm in portugal oh yeah the day this comes out rosie will be in portugal Uh uh-huh do you want to tell them where you're going I'm going to um, Lisbon, Portugal, and then from there I'm going to Porto, Portugal. Cool. Going on a girl's trip. Is Porto where port wine comes from? Yeah. I think it is, actually, but I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. If you're listening from Portugal, let us know. I'm super excited. I leave tomorrow, but that doesn't mean much to you guys because I'm already there by the time you're listening to this. Cool. I don't leave tomorrow. I leave Wednesday. <laughs> Silly me. Oh, yeah. Anyway, moving on. 
We are yeah. going to share our reviews. So that's our cat news for the week. It's that burrito broke our USB interface. <laughs> so, But now it's replaced and it's all good. So before we jump into the reviews, I want to play a promo for a podcast that's actually made by one of our listeners and patrons. And I really enjoyed listening to it. It's called Exercising Depression. So here's that. Hi there. My name is Claire, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Exercising Depression. Now, don't worry. It's not a podcast about how exercise is the best cure for depression or the only antidepressant you'll ever need is a walk outside, blah, blah, blah. No, that's both annoying and inaccurate. But it is a podcast about me, your standard-issue 30-something married British person, trying to live a normal life with mental health issues. I also just happen to enjoy torturing myself at the gym. There are many podcasts out there that talk about mental health and depression, but not a lot that discuss living every day with mental health problems. So, I decided to start one. You can listen to the Exercise and Depression podcast on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and most other podcast providers. Mental illnesses and the stigma surrounding most facets of them need to be talked about more and more openly. So, come on. Join me in the conversation with the Exercising Depression podcast. I want to read the second one, remember? Oh, that's right. That's right. All right. Well, the first review is five stars entitled Love It from Kelly YYYYJ on, from Australia. Woo! Very cool. Says, I love this podcast. I find both their voices very calm, and the accent makes it even better. <laughs> I'm Aussie. <laughs> you got to be kidding. <laughs> I do. Is it is it like it is here where all foreign accents are fascinating? Dude, our accent is so bad. I appreciate oh, yeah. the kindness. <laughs> you betcha. Anyway, I'm sorry about that. It continues. Stories are interesting and easy to follow. Only criticism would be sometimes the background sounds can be a bit annoying. Example being cats. You hear that burrito? Oh, I'm so glad. You'll be this listener will be so thankful that we took a take two on this whole episode then. Yeah. It was annoying. Well buzzing. even today, most of our edits came from burrito interrupting. Oh, so true. Oh there he is. Yep. Meowing right burrito, now. say hi and apologize to Kelly. He's not <laughs> He's not going to. He's bashful. Anyway, sorry, it's not over. What's said, apart from that, I really enjoy listening to you guys and will continue doing so. Thanks, Kel. Thank you, Kelly. Why, 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 Jay? Why? Okay, the next one is called Love the Show, and it's also a five-star word. It says, first of all, I'd like to comment on your voices since it's such a big topic. I love how gentle both of your voices are, oh. especially with how horrid the topics are. The chemistry between each other is beautiful. I have listened to many podcasts about true crime, and I think you guys give way more details and do a wonderful job on behalf of the victims. I must say, the Children of God episode really messed me up. Same. I couldn't stop thinking about it. My heart goes out to all the survivors of abuse. Thank you for doing what you do and F the haters. <laughs> That's from Caterin9. Caterin or Kate Ryan. Kate Ryan or Caterin E9. <laughs> very nice review. Thank you very much. It meant a lot. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, the researching the Children of God episode, I was like, that whole 
two weeks i was like super sad and i was like what am i doing it with was, my life yeah, rough making oh. this podcast but candace my girl thanks for um, responding to my story about on me with my merch she did a little flame emoji thank you candace you just like, kind of interrupted my um Oh, pouring sorry. my heart out. Oh, I'm sorry. You do that so often, I didn't realize. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Davidito, really, that story really messed me up because it was so, so messed up. And the way it ended is just terrifying. And so I did go into kind of a funk after I researched that because, yeah, if you've heard it, you know what I mean. But anyway, uh, Thank you guys for being so kind to us and mm-hmm. listening. And do you want to do the plugs? Oh dear. If this okay. is okay, I'll do it. No, 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 I can do if it. If this is your first time listening to us, you can follow us on Instagram at VOV Podcast. You can email us at VOVpodcast at gmail.com. You can check out our Threadless store at VOVpodcast.threadless.com. And hey, you want to sign up and get some free stuff and also be super appreciated? Go to our Patreon page. <laughs> Patreon.com slash VOV podcast. Man, we would sure like it. And yeah. all of that is linked in the show notes. And we just want to say thank you to all of our patrons that support us every mm-hmm. month. Because once I get back from Patri- or Portugal, we're going to give our Patreon packages out to yes. people. Our next Patreon episode is going to be a super exciting, super interesting. We're going to have a guest speaker. Yep. Can you have a drum roll? It's my brother. Cool. Yeah, my brother wants He's to He's actually here right now, um, sitting in our living room as we record. You can make him say hi. Sam, do you want to say hi? No, come here, you dweeb. <laughs> Uh, my brother is almost 18. He's a college student. He's just started listening to the podcast, and he's going to say hello right now. Hello, everybody. That was Sam, <laughs> and he will be guest appearing on our next Patreon episode, which is crazy. Just insane. It's uh, it's actually already out, if you're listening to this now, but it's... um Gross. It, yeah. And make your teeth hurt your eyes water and your gut jerk (laughs) okay well thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week bye